Um, do people still say, I, I was going to ask one of, one of you young hip guys earlier, do people still say, like, live it up? Like, is that, like, you know, like, when people say, oh, go live it up. People don't say that anymore? Did you, people used to say that to us, right? Like, in high school? Or is it just me? <laughs> All my friends would be like, I just want to live it up, because, you know? People don't say that anymore? People don't say, okay, what do people say then? Living our best life. Like, what do people say in order to, like, say, like, this is the good life, or this is the best, like, this is the, I just be, you just do you? That's what people say now? Just do you. And that, that means the full life? Oh, my grief. <laughs> you do you, brah. Yeah. I would, you do you, do it, do, do me, you. I don't know. Okay, anyway, anyway. Well, when I was growing up, people, I mean, I, me and my friends used to talk about, like, how we want to live it up. Or we want to just do something crazy and just live, like, this just live a life that like, yes, I lived it. Or like we'd have friends where we're talking and we just talk about how like depressing our lives are. or feel like we haven't lived life or whatever, you know. And so whatever verbiage you use, um, I, I bring that up because uh, Stephen, he, we're going to see in the next chapter, he dies. He gets martyred. He's the first Christian martyr. And it says, it is said that he was probably a young man. And he may have not lived long years on this earth. But I want us to hear this and understand this. This man we are looking at tonight, he lived a full life. He lived a super full life. So much so that even to his last breath, he had the face of an angel. We're seeing Luke mentioned four times, not just in tonight's text, but I want to rewind a little bit and look a little bit earlier in the chapter, starting at verse 4. You see in verse 4, chapter 6, um, or actually it's verse 5. They pleased the whole gathering. This is when Stephen first hopped on the scene. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then we drop down to our text tonight. Luke brings Stephen up again. He's full of grace, full of power. This man lived a full life, a full life. Maybe he did not have long years. Maybe he didn't get to get all the toys and the gadgets and maybe married with children and whatever you and I might think and equate is a full, abundant life. But I believe this is the full life that Christ speaks about when he says in John 10, 10, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came. He came that we would have life abundantly. He was so full. And I want to ease into this because I want us to see each thing that he was full or filled with. He was so filled. And I think that's why his life, what we're looking at, at least from what we see in Acts, from this point to his last breath, which is the next chapter, the, the amazing, the radical, the outrageous, the heavy-hitting impact Stephen had in the life of the church to this day, to this evening. He's, my, he's one of my heroes. I loved studying about Stephen. If I'm honest, this is one of the first verses, um, first Bible characters outside of Jesus that when I was a young believer, just starting to read my Bible, I remember this was in Indiana, and I was sitting in one of the um, study lounges um, on my lunch break, just kind of reading scripture. I wasn't really studying heavy. I just was like, I need to read something. And I started reading Acts chapter 6 to, to Acts chapter 7, and I just started reading about Stephen's life. And I don't know what came over me, but honestly, I came to tears. I didn't understand his whole sermon. I didn't understand this and that, but I understood this. There was just something incredible incredibly crazy about this man's faith and his relationship with Christ that he would literally live and die 
for, for Jesus. And he was just so filled. And, and I think he's an example that I hope and pray. And I believe Luke wants to lift up. This is a hero tonight. But the, and, and don't, don't, let's not read through this and just think that we can write these things down that, Luke, that Stephen was filled with and think that we can just copy it. Remember, this, Stephen was filled with the fullness of God. He was filled with Christ. This is why he was so Christ-like. We're going to see that he was so filled with the fullness of God that it overflowed not onto just the people around him that he ministered to, but even those who came up and persecuted him, even those who came up and murdered him. And I'm so, it's, it's insane to read because, and when we get to, to certain parts, I mean, there's this, this, this particular man named Saul that we're going to see later who became the apostle Paul, who wrote much of the New Testament that I believe was so perhaps so impacted by this man's life that I think it really, I think it may have shaped a lot of the way in which he wrote out his letters. And this is the very man that was there to execute him. But, but anyway, I want us to see that this is the full life, guys. And um, I hope and pray that as we walk through this, whatever, you know, if you came tonight and you are, and I was talking to some of, some of us earlier, and just, it's interesting. Some of us shared, you, you shared you felt drained today, tonight. You feel empty. You feel depleted. You feel just, ugh. Well, I pray, we pray that as we read through this text this evening, we would all desire and begin to pray. Lord, fill us. Fill us with faith. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with grace. Fill us with power. Let us be all filled with the fullness of God. All right? So anyway, let's look at that. Um, We'll read verse 8. So I read verse 5. Stephen was full of faith and the Spirit, and it says, full of grace and power and was doing wonders and signs among the people. Let's go slow. These things that he's filled with, like let's take the first one, filled with faith. These terms, they're so, they can be so just kind of generalized that we don't really realize what this means. First, let's look at that word full. The word full when you do the word study, it's not just a cup that's filled to the top. Like if this bottle was filled to the top, it's not full, according to this word. Oh. To be filled, it's, it's covered in every part. It's so filled that it's permeating over every part of the soul. It's more than a full cup. It's just like it's filled, it's around, it's just saturating it. That's what it says when he was full of faith or full of the Holy Spirit or full of grace or full of power. Now, Let's look at this first word, faith, because a lot of times I think we don't really define that well. What does it mean to be full of faith? And I talk to some people, church people, Christian brothers and sisters, and, and they'll say, you know, I, 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 oh, yeah, I'm growing in my faith, but I'm going to church more than I did before. Or, oh, yeah, you know, I'm not, I'm not, doing, as bad, I'm not doing as bad stuff as before. Like, I'm just, I'm growing in my faith. Well, what, faith, what does that mean? Well, this is the word faith. Faith is conviction of truth or belief. It's a full assurance. But what is the faith that Stephen had? What faith are we talking about, guys? You, you tell me. Where's his total assurance in? Who? Christ. Full of faith is to have total assurance 
in trusting Christ for salvation. Whenever we read in the New Testament, and they held fast to the faith, or they were firm in the faith, or they held to the mysteries of the faith with a clear conscience, or he's filled with faith, we got to remember that's not just being positive or optimistic or keep your head up, man. Where's your faith? Oh, you're, you're, you're struggling like that? Hey, you need more faith. We need to define what is faith. Romans 10, 17 says this. Faith comes from hearing. Romans 10, 17. I see you taking notes. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing through the word of Christ. Hebrews 11, 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What is the assurance the Hebrew writer is talking about? Well, do some Bible study. Read chapter 10. He's talking about that Christ's sacrifice was once and for all, and it's an assurance of faith in that. You get to chapter 12. He says Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So when Stephen was full of faith, he was fully convinced that Christ died for his sins and rose from the grave. His trust was in him. That, and he wasn't shook on that. He was greatly convinced. That was his conviction. When it says he was full of faith, he was a man of conviction. That conviction. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. This is what Stephen would have sung. So, so, so we don't want to just breeze by those things. We need to define our faith. This is why... Our church and churches, they have a, our church has a statement of faith. This is why if you take the membership steps, some of you are doing that. The first two steps is making sure you understand the gospel, your conversion, and then we walk you through the statement of faith. This is why historically churches have done creeds, confessions, because it wanted to make sure that we, the church, we are full of faith. We know what we believe in. That needs to be talked about more and more because I think I'm a product of someone who grew up in church and I said I trusted Christ. I said I believed, but that if someone were to come up to me on the street and say, what do you believe? I probably couldn't really tell it to you. I just, I just trust God. Oh, yeah? Yeah, but I just because God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. That's my fate. Well, who's God? Oh, you know, brought in the sky. You know, like, and, and it's crazy, though. We need to be clear on that. We're going to see that Stephen was so full of faith when they pressed him. Look at chapter 7. He spits the word of God. This is why I love what Spurgeon said about Bunyan. You cut the man, he bleeds scripture. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word. Young brother and sister, older brother and sister, anyone in the house, a profession of faith. Do you believe it? Do you know what you believe in? Do we know what we believe in? Do our children know who it is we believe in? This is what it meant when these men were filled with faith. Are you full of faith this evening? Or are you just filled with optimism? Ah, it's all good, but everything will work out. Is that, and, and you try to just, do you just come to church week after week to get just a little bit of a, uh, a inspiration to just kind of get you through one more week? And you call it faith. That's not faith. Full of faith is total assurance and trusting Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, for salvation. Do we believe it? Remember, Stephen was not just Bible answer man. 
He believed this. And he proved it with blood. It says that he was also full of the Spirit. What does that mean? Full of the Spirit is not, Stephen was just charismatic. <laughs> he was just a very emotional guy. Because a lot of times we think that. You, you see someone just, they're very bubbly or very emotional, very charismatic, which is not a bad thing. Zeal is good. But, but be careful. That, that's not enough to just be filled with the Spirit. Well, what is the Spirit? Numa, it is God. It is, according to Galatians, it's what's at war with the flesh. Galatians chapter 5. Walk by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. The desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They oppose each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual morality, Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I will warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh along with its passion. Stephen and these men, when it says they were filled with the Spirit, they were not operating in the flesh. That's why he had the face of an angel, and he never had the face of a local brother who wants to fight. You're getting all these false accusations towards you. You think you can have a face of an angel? Oh, <laughs> he never had this, what, cuz? You know, he <laughs> not even true. No, he was filled with the Spirit. He was not... He, Full of the Spirit is total dependency on the Spirit, not the flesh, on God. I like charisma. I like zeal. I just prayed this, this morning, like, Lord, don't, forgive me if I'm lacking in zeal. But is it a zeal and passion to slay your sin and serve the Lord and speak the gospel? So far, Dr. Luke, every time he mentioned in Acts, Filled with the Spirit. You know what came after that? Speaking the Word of God. Acts chapter 2, verse 4. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak. Acts chapter 4, verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Stephen's mentioned here. Full of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 7, guess what he does? He speaks. Don't think to be full of the Spirit is to just be walking around with a big smile and and you, you're the one of those screamers and when we have song worship song time. Oh, if you scream louder than this person, you're more full or full of the Spirit is you're, you're laughing hysterically or you're speaking in tongues or you're just ah, emotionalism. That's not to be filled with the Spirit. Stephen was filled with the Spirit. He wasn't operating in the flesh He slayed sin, and he spoke the word of God. Are you filled with the Spirit this evening? Are we filled with the Spirit? Are we filled with the Spirit tonight, tomorrow morning when we wake up? This was so convicting for me recently because I realized when I'm hindered from slaying sin or speaking the gospel, it's because I'm full of the flesh, not full of the Spirit. And I've been constantly asking the Lord, 
fill me, fill me, fill me. Let's keep looking at these things that he's filled with. We're in tonight's text. Full of grace. Oh, I love that. Charis, joy, pleasure, delight, charms, loving kindness, the favor of God. Full of grace is totally aware of our depravity, our sin, and God's grace upon us. He was full of grace. He saw the grace. Just like earlier, the church, the apostles, when they were speaking the word, they saw the grace of God that was upon them. Let me read you a verse written by the man who was there to approve Stephen's execution. Ephesians chapter 2. Full of grace, Stephen, I believe, was very aware of his sinfulness and the grace that he received in Christ Jesus. It says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Verse 1 through 3, very aware, very aware of your sinfulness. Your, your natural state of being a child of wrath, your depravity. Until you understand one through three, I don't think you're going to get to the place of being full of grace. Stephen was fully convinced. He realized that I don't deserve this. I don't deserve Christ. I don't deserve to be speaking for Christ. The apostles just before, they don't deserve to be beaten for Christ. These were men full of grace. One through three, they saw their depravity. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ's big word, by grace, you've been saved. And raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this isn't your own doing. It's a gift of God. Do you see the gift? Have you been seriously overwhelmed and struck by the grace of God upon you? Like that's a real question. This is not trying to fabricate some emotion and cry during watching the Passion of Christ. It's like you really see, you don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be here this evening. I don't deserve to know you. I don't deserve to speak of Christ to you. I don't deserve to sing a single song to him. I don't deserve the breath I breathe. I don't deserve my, the hugs from my son in the morning. Or do you think you deserve that? That is grace. Immeasurable riches of grace. Stephen was a man full of grace. And I think this is why he had the face of an angel. He was just struck by the presence of God. That's a blessed place to be. Especially for those of us who we get really bogged down really easy and really depressed by the things of this life very quick. For those of us who are very prone to complain and grumble and murmur. 
and look at ourselves and our lives, and it's this weird cycle of thinking that we are entitled as if we deserve. How was Stephen able to even interact with these men that, are, that we're going to read about that oppose him in such a gracious way? How were these apostles able to respond with such gentleness and meekness and confidence at the same They were men full of grace. Think of your life right now. Think of the, the individuals in your lives. You know, think of our home lives. You go home, you know, someone in the house is irritating. <laughs> just you, a boss is just overlooking you and you know, and you're just getting irked and it's weighing you down. Pray this, Lord, fill me with grace. Help me to see. Help me to see truly who I am before you until Christ came. Full of grace, full of faith, full of the Spirit. And look at this one. He was full of power. Oh, that's a bomb word. Same word in Acts 1.8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Dunamis. It's strength, power, ability. Full of power is totally empowered by God. He's serving with the strength God provided. That's why he was able to do the wonders and signs. Question for those of us who are serving and trying to serve and just live like a servant. Are you serving with the strength God has given you? Or are you serving with your own human strength? That's going to run out real quick. You feel lacking. You feel depleted. You're running low. Lord, fill me with power, your power. Because if it's of man, it'll fail. But if it's of God, it won't fail. Stephen was operating in the power of God. And he was full of power. I'm going to read this verse. I think it just kind of brings all these things that Stephen was full of together. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 19. The man who approved Stephen's execution wrote this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory. Now notice, listen, you're going to find things that we talked about. He may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and depth, not death, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's beautiful. That is Stephen this evening. He is a man filled with all the fullness of God. And we're about to read on and see what happens when a man is so filled. What happens when you punch a man that's filled with the fullness of God? What happens when you falsely accuse a man when he's filled with all the fullness of God? What happens when you murder a man who is filled with all the fullness of God? This is what every Christian ought to desire to be. It's a great prayer. Lord, help us. Be filled with all the fullness of God. That home, work, school, they feel it. 
Let's read on. Let's see what happens. Let's see the overflow of this full man. Verse 9. And some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those of Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen. Okay, so let's just understand this a little bit. The freedmen or the synagogues, those are gathering places um, probably a lot of the Hellenists usually use this. These were Greek-speaking speaking Jews. They, they were dispersed, and they needed to have these little gatherings so their worship. That's where they were meeting at the gatherings. And these men, the freedmen or the libertines, these were members of the Jewish synagogue um, that probably were, were from the time when Pompey uh, enslaved them and... Uh, yeah, I have it written down here. Pompey enslaved them, and then they were later released. So they're libertines. They're freedmen. Uh, it says, I read this in one study. It said that Pompey found that these Jews that they enslaved were so strict to their religious um, and national customs that they were worthless slaves. So they're just like, just let them go. Worthless. Like, meaning they were very, very faithful to these traditions. They were hardcore Jews. Some writers would even say these guys is even more hardcore than the guys who was in the temple because they had to, through slavery and being in the distant country, be that much more devoted. But anyway, understand this about these freedmen. These are people who are very, 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 is that a helicopter or the sound? Oh, that's a sound. I thought it was one helicopter, cuz. I was like, we just keep going, cuz. It's okay. Check, check. Whoop, whoop. No, 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 yeah. Come out with your hands up. No, no, no. Um, but anyway, these the, the gatherings that are coming at Stephen tonight or on this day, these are very strong Jewish people. So they hate this message of Christ. It goes against what they believe and what they're teaching. And so let me hear some interesting notes about the, the synagogues probably from the Cyrenians anyway. Um, North African synagogue, Simon of Cyrene, who helped carry the cross for Christ, probably from that area. Alexandria, that's another North African city. Um, Apollos, that powerful preacher that, you, that we read of in Corinthians, he was from Alexandria. Probably the most noteworthy place that's written here that Luke wrote is Cilicia in Asia. Because Paul, who was Saul, is from Tarsus. And Tarsus was in Cilicia. So it's most likely that Paul perhaps was at this dispute. We see him later in chapter 8, that he's there at the execution. But it's very interesting to know that. Imagine that. Imagine if he was there, disputing with Stephen. Little did Stephen know, little did Paul know, Saul know, that this enemy, like, it's crazy to imagine, Stephen, this enemy, this man who's here in your face against you, is one day going to be your brother your beloved brother who's going to contend for this message that you're about to die for. It's just wild to imagine. And when you really put the, the, the pieces together, Paul is the one who wrote in Acts 17 that God determined the allotted periods and times where people would meet and dwell, and he did this so that they'd seek him and perhaps feel their way towards God and find him, though he's not far. I just imagine Paul writing that and just like, yeah, he did that for me. I was at the dispute. I was at Stephen's execution. God put Stephen there for me. It's just wild to imagine. Anyway, we see great gospel ministry overflowing out of this man who's filled with Christ. And then it's, again, 
followed by great dispute. And it's one thing to have one person dispute you, and then it's another to have a group of people. This word dispute, it's a, they're examining him. They're grilling him. They're questioning him. They're coming up with their arguments. What about this? What about that? What about this? What about that, Stephen? Some of these boys, they maybe they were in the same synagogue together. Maybe they had this personal thing towards them. I don't know. But there was this huge, huge like, uh. That's just intimidating. Anyone, anyone like an atheist or an agnostic come up to you or a friend that's like that and say, and question you on your faith recently? You know the emotions you get when you don't know what for say? Oh, if God is this, and then why is this? Um, um, you know, <laughs> fill me, Lord, fill me, fill me. You know, <laughs> I need to be filled. Yeah. Um, if you're following the Bible reading plan, I'd commend this to you. Uh, Pastor Johnny wrote a devotional this morning about um, witnessing or contending for the faith with your testimony. Very good. But anyway, we read it says this. They rose up. They began to dispute. And look at verse 10. They could not withstand the wisdom of the spirit in which he's speaking. So instead, they secretly instigate men who said, oh, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up people and elders and scribes. They came upon him. They seized him. They brought him before the council. Verse 13. They set up false witnesses who said, oh, who said this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place in the law. Verse 14. And we've heard him say this. Jesus of Nazareth is going to destroy this place. He's going to change all the customs of Moses delivered to us. And then gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of, a, face of an angel. She just, look at this. Verse 10. They could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit in which he was speaking. That's dope. I love that. Listen to this. Write this down. This is noteworthy. Because Jesus foretold moments like this. Because Stephen didn't have time to go get his notes or he didn't have time to do a sermon prep or anything. This was just on the spot. And they pressed him. They questioned him. And he was so filled with the spirit, so filled with wisdom. It just flowed out of him. They just couldn't get him. They couldn't break him. And they couldn't get him to get pissed off. They just couldn't stump this guy. What's up, man? This guy's irritating. Look at his angel face. You know, like. And he just keeps giving it. But look at this. Luke 21, verse 12 to 19. I'll read it for you. You read it down. This, Jesus speaking, but before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. They're going to deliver you up to the synagogues. See, that's happening with Stephen. And prisons. You'll be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Verse 14. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer. This is crazy. Verse 15. I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. We're seeing that happen right now. You're going to just drop the mic on them, bro. Verse 16. You'll be delivered up. Even by parents and brothers or relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. I wonder if this was on Stephen's mind when this was happening. It's just crazy to think. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, 
you will gain your lives. Understand this. Stephen was filled with all the fullness of God. So much so that when he answered their questions, he answered it with gentleness, respect, and love. You don't read Peter when they start ripping him with false accusations. Not, not even. You don't see him gnashing his teeth. And you don't see him yelling liar. Very Christ-like. Remember Jesus when he was tried? Like a sheep led to the slaughter? This man is so filled with the Spirit. I hope and pray if ever a day comes for any of us. So they couldn't stop him. So what do they do? You can't beat him? Let's just bust him up and try to take him out. Let's just deceive. They set up false witnesses. They started making things like, oh, he's against the holy place and the law. No, Jesus was the fulfillment of the law. Jesus taught his disciples and followers that I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. Matthew 5, 17. I didn't come to change the customs of Moses. It says in Luke 24, 27, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, when Jesus taught it, he interpreted that all these things concerned him. So Stephen was trying to connect the dots for them. But they falsely accused. And we have to note this. He didn't rage. He had the face of an angel, a heavenly countenance. That's amazing, man. If anything, they're accusing him about being Moses. He was more like Moses. Luke 34, he, Moses' face when he came off the mountain, just radiating, being in the presence of God. That's what I think that angel face was. Psalm 34, verse 5, it says, Those who look on him are radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. So unlike the accusers, who were probably gnashing their faces and teeth and just irritated and irked, rude and cruel, Stephen's face was heavenly. He spoke with this coolness, this calm spirit, gentle, yet confident, bold. When people question us, when people question you, if you've been questioned, I hope that you just don't not get questioned because maybe you don't not talk about Christ. But when that happens, guys, may we be filled and maybe we be prepared. Let me read to you what Peter writes. 1 Peter 3, 14 to 16. If you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed, but have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness. Put your angel face on. <laughs> and respect now hear this having a good conscience so that when you are slandered not if remember this is the hated message we won't compromise it so when you are slandered and those who revile your good behavior in christ oh um so that when you are slandered those who revile your good name your good behavior in christ may be put to shame I think Stephen just 
was a great example of this for us this evening. He wasn't arrogant. He never make all taunted on. Answer here, answer there. <laughs> what? What now, cuz? No, he wasn't like that. He wasn't this big, swollen-headed theologian who just had all the right answers. And what else do you want to know? What else do you want to know? That's not how, no. If our attitudes are arrogant, if you're growing in the word and you're enjoying it and you start to get puffed up, it's going to ruin our witness. There's nothing more distasteful than an arrogant evangelist. It's true. We must pray, God, fill us with grace. Peter, I mean, Stephen didn't think him better than these boys. It's by the grace of God that he sees. Fill us with faith. His confidence was in Christ, not himself. He wasn't all like, I stuttered under Gamaliel and blah, 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 and I uh, know the apostles. No. Fill us with your spirit, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness. Maybe today, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow, God will give us an opportunity for this. Sooner or later, you will be disputed. If you're walking with Christ, you will be. I have an atheist friend who texts me maybe every other month faithfully. And there's times I'm tempted to just be so, you don't get it or what? You know, like, come on. And in those moments, I'm like, how can I be mad at the blind? I just, it's only by the grace of God. God help us. God help us to be prepared. And when we have the opportunity to give an answer with gentleness and respect. 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Stephen was not making noise in chapter 7. He wasn't a noisy gong. He loved these men. We have to remember that. He loved Saul, who was standing there, kill him. Little did he know that's going to be his beloved brother. What a wild reunion that must be in heaven. Stephen, thank you. It's me, Paul. I don't know. That's just wild. You know, in our lifetime, if there's a family member who's been disputing with you, just wants to argue with you all the time, or maybe there's a coworker who knows you're a Christian and he's just under or she's just under your skin, and you've been trying to faithfully, with gentleness and meekness, just witness to them, share, share, and you never see the fruit in your lifetime. Be encouraged by this. I'm praying for my atheist friend. I love him. I like talking to him. I may not see the fruit of him coming to Christ, but maybe, maybe one of you will. I love my neighbor who kind of distances himself from me now. He doesn't really want to talk too much unless it's about surfing or dogs. I may never see the fruit of what, my, but I don't know. Let's not be ashamed of the power of the gospel. Stephen wasn't. We must be humble. We must be filled with faith and spirit, grace, power. We must be prepared. And we must have our faces fixed on Christ. Fastened to Jesus. 
Hebrews 12, 2 says this. We look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I read this earlier, but Psalm 34, 5, those who look on him are radiant. Their faces will never be put to shame. Psalm 16, verse 11, it's in your presence. There's fullness of joy. Stephen had the face of an angel because he was fixed on God. His gaze was set. He was looking to Christ. So, so whether he lived or died in that moment, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I see the Lord. And his face was just so enamored by God. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. So when we get to chapter 7, even to the point where they're throwing stones, it's just an amazing, an amazing love. Pray full prayers. And what I mean by that, pray to be filled. Pray full prayers. Full prayers. Lord, I want to be filled to the brim. I want it all around me. Just be just soaking in faith. I need more faith. Remember, faith comes from hearing. You want to be filled with faith? Study your Bible. Read your Bible and pray like you believe it. Get grounded in this. Know this. Come to the, the, the healthy church mark study and stuff and just get more in depth with God's word so you can know I trust this. I want to be full of faith. We need to pray, fill us with the Spirit, fill us with grace, fill us with power. Sooner or later, the opposition's gonna arise. Maybe for some of us, it already has. And it's in those very moments we need to be filled with all the fullness of God. You're not gonna be able to fake it, you're not gonna be able to fabricate it. It needs to be an overflow of who we are. This is Stephen. Think, I've been thinking of the areas and the times in my day and my week and my life that I know I lack. I'm just not full. And if you think about it, you'll find them. Certain times of the day, you're not full of the spirit. You're more full of the flesh. You know what I'm talking about. Pinpoint those moments of your day, your week. Even for me, I'll be honest with you. It's typically after a Wednesday night. I'll go home and I'm just depleted. So I need to figure out ways. How am I going to get filled after this? What do I do on the way home? I think I need to pull over. I think I need to stop somewhere. I think I need to pray. We need to constantly be asking the God, God to fill us. Because he's going to, we empty, we get filled. Pray full prayers. Um, yeah, I wrote this down. Those of you taking the membership steps, or if you know, if, take them. I, I think there's a sister who said she wants to take it again, even though she's a member. That's great. Just get grounded. You know, take advantage of the opportunities we have here to grow in faith, to grow in grace, to grow in spirit, to grow in these things, to get filled. But whatever the condition of your heart may have been when you came tonight, or maybe even now, let's pray full prayers this evening. Let's ask God to fill us as Stephen was. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord, we know that we need you. We'd be lying to say that we don't. We confess that we often walk around and act like we're not, like, 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 like we are full when we're not. So, Lord, please bless us with a, a real humility this evening before you and a real transparency. We thank you for Brother Stephen. What a saint. 
And as we get to chapter 7 and we see this amazing sermon he preaches. Oh, that we would be a people that are so filled with all the fullness of God, loving your word, loving scripture. A page is not enough. We want the whole book, Lord. Wanting more of the power of God, not, not human power, more of the spirit of God, not the flesh. We confess we're more, we're more inclined to be filled with our flesh than we are with the spirit. More filled with, with um, self-righteousness than grace. Oh, Lord, fill us, we pray, this evening. Thank you for this place, this time, this space. We pray that as we continue to fellowship this evening, that you, Spirit of God, would continue to pour yourself out on your people and let us be a full people, a people that are filled, experiencing the abundant life, living it up, full lives in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.